Hello, Freedom Fighters. My name is Danny Flood. Thank you so much for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for optimizing your life to find more adventure, passion, and purpose. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, authored by yours truly, Buy Your Own Island, now available on Amazon. It's been called inspiring and empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. So I have a real treat for you guys today. My name is Danny Flood, and I'm pleased to have Josh Denning on the show. Josh is known as the Tropical Entrepreneur, and he has a podcast of the same name that he's been able to set up while living a tropical lifestyle from his base in Thailand. He regularly interviews some of the most successful location-independent entrepreneurs and digital nomads. We have a lot in common, so I'm excited to pick his brain and have him on the show today. Just want to welcome you, Josh. Uh, hey, Danny. Thanks for having me, mate. Definitely looking forward to uh, over-delivering for your listeners. And it's, it's great to be talking to uh, another person that's uh, a bit of a fellow Bangkokian, in a sense. <laughs> yes, we're both, we're both based here in the same town uh, for the moment. Which is awesome. Um, of course, being location independent, who knows where we'll be next month, though. <laughs> exactly. Just pack up your backpack and uh, wherever the wind takes you, right? I pack up my backpack and, and my office and, and, and 20 staff members and go with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you call yourself the uh, inquiry supercharger uh, because you teach people how to leverage uh, online properties. Your specialty is digital media. Uh, when I say online properties, I'm talking about podcasts, blogging, uh, digital advertising, book publishing, and messaging to bring in uh, traffic leads, sales, and build their brand so that, in your words, you say high transaction sales become virtually effortless. The Inquiry Supercharger, that's quite a title, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? And uh, and I guess that really comes from me realizing from you know spending a good decade and a bit in, in the digital agency world and before that in the traditional marketing, well, not really traditional marketing, more the, the radio advertising world, I suppose. And, and prior to that, really quite entrenched in the, the seminar and personal development world, really uh, looking at, at, at business people and looking at seminar goers and looking at our clients and, and even looking at, at my bosses before, obviously, I became a founder and, and that and, and having consulted with thousands of clients, realizing that, that the biggest thing that business owners want, like people that have got an actual business, is inquiries. So I made it a bit of a mission to, to really figure out, you know, what is the best mix of medias that you can, uh, that you can really control and, and, and take ownership of and, and really utilize and, and leverage and optimize to actually get not just the most inquiries coming in, but the best inquiries coming in and then have those inquiries quite pre-sold on wanting to work with you and be willing to spend quite a bit of money just so they can work with you or even better at another point so they can work with your team and they already educated that they want to work with you, but they know you've got a team and they're happy to work with your team because they know you're the one behind that team orchestrating it. Yeah, and you brought up a couple of great points there. Not all leads are the same. Um, you know, 80% could be rubbish and maybe 20% could contribute about 80% of your bottom line. I certainly found out that when I was running my uh, first business. Um, how, how do you qualify uh, between normal leads and how do you find the best leads? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, a lot of that, uh, Danny, can be done with um, with educational marketing and, and sequences and, and marketing automation systems like Infusionsoft or uh, Entreport or, or, you know, down a, a level like Send Pepper, the smaller version of Entreport, by um, running people through a bit of a sequence. See, a lot of business owners tend to send um, p traffic straight to a website and then they go for the inquiry like really quickly. 
instead of uh, you know, may, and, and that's okay as well. Like, there's definitely a point where that's important, and you and you've got to do that. But when you when your business is at a point where you you know starting to do okay, and you want to start to move towards slightly, you know, maybe more cream, or, or maybe you as the owner want to deal with slightly more sophisticated or, or higher transaction size clients, you can definitely run run people through a little bit of a gauntlet before before they can actually get to you. And that can be via actually sending them to other people that qualify them for you over the phone. And that's that's one way to do it. Or a, a better way is to use, we'll do that as well, but also to use like sequences in marketing automation. So you might send them through initially just a simple report, like one of the ones that we've got at um, at, uh, at the authority factory is the five digital leverage points that will double any business in under 12 months. And when they get that, then, you know, they get, they read that and then they get a couple of emails after that recommending them, did, you know, did you read it? Here's the link again, check it out. And then we send them through a few more things and there's some links for them to click and, you know, prices and, and other content and, and videos. And, and all along those things are educating them with how to deal with us and we're letting people self-select. And then when they finally fill in the inquiry forms, it could be something as simple as just having checkboxes with what in our case of so it's digital marketing for example of you know what's your annual revenue and you know that's just one segmenter of revenue and it could be quite an important one and you know you so your your businesses that depending on what you want again that it might be businesses that have got a net profit of 500,000 are, are an A your 300,000s are a B and you know your 100,000s are, are a C and you know maybe the A's go straight to the owner the B's go to the senior consultants the C's go to the you know junior consultants as an example okay so you mentioned earlier that you're bringing them into your funnel using uh, entreport or infusionsoft um where are you putting out the lines where are the fish biting from are they just uh happening to come across uh excuse me come across your content or are, are you deliberately sharing your content in certain uh in certain seas where you know the big fish will bite so a really great thing that um, I learned from from Dan Kennedy about probably eight years ago was uh, he says you know I can I can't teach you one silver bullet to get a hundred leads, but I can teach you a hundred silver bullets that are going to get you know one to five leads each every single month. So the most effective way is just to have as many lines in the ocean with great bait on them as, as you could possibly have and then to track and measure those lines and see which lines bring you the, the best fish, so to speak, and the ones that bring you the best fish, then you put more resources into them, uh, especially if those lines are quite you know, cash flow intensive to keep in the water, you definitely want to make sure that, that, you know, you're tracking and you're working out what is your cost per lead and, but then also further, what's your cost per sale. Um, and then on those sales, what's the, the, the lifetime value of, of each line, which was actually put into place with when I was working at Debt Free Direct, I was lucky enough to have a, a CEO uh, that mentored me a lot that happened to be a, a previous senior partner from, from EY, from, from Ernst & Young, one of the big five accounting firms, and he mentored me on really how to um, break every single channel up and have every single channel that's tracking it, tracking even even the traditional marketing like yellow pages and radio and television and newspapers, um, just by using codes and things like this. When people call in and asking where they got the number from. Um, and then splitting that out and doing your math to work out the cost per lead and cost per sale and, and then eventually what's each channel worth. Um, so that was a, a quite a long way around, a long way around to answer the question. The best thing to do is just is to have a lot of lines in. And if you're kind of bootstrapping and you're just starting, um, you know, lines that are a low cost, high time commitment are best like podcasting, blogging, cold emailing, cold calling as well, of course. And then as soon as uh, you've got some revenue coming in and you've got some good profit, as soon as you can start to invest some of the excess cash flow into more cash flow, less time intensive um, channels like Google AdWords, like display advertising, like Facebook paid traffic and you know things like that. Okay, so give me some more specifics of some things that have uh, worked, some marketing tests that have worked really well for you that you've uh, invested more money in. 
Sure. So one of the things that still works best for us, and and a lot of people find find it hard to to believe that this is the most effective for us in terms of cost per lead and and revenue per outlay, has been actually really. Um, carefully optimizing cold email outreach. So cold email outreach, one-to-one, very personalized to specific um, targets that we would like to be working with. So every month we will actually go through and we'll audit 100 sites. Not not fully audit, I, I should say. We'll actually review at least 100 websites. And then once we've kind of done the reviews, those that the one we'll find in each batch of 100, um, you know, as many as we can that we like, that we think we can get a big impact for, then they get sent to data miners and the data miners go and they find the business owner's name, they find the business owner's email, they find the business owner's phone number. And then they get part that gets passed from the data miners to our cold email or, or lead generators or junior marketing representatives, and they um, have, take a deeper look and they compose a very very personalised email to reach out to those particular targets and um, look for them to to return the email to us to actually have a call about something that we've identified on this site that we know when improved is going to generate a 30% increase in a, in a number of weeks. Or, or And we'll also say, plus in your industry, we typically get 100 to 200% revenue increase over, you know, nine to 18 months. And uh, yeah, and we're able to, we're finding that whereas for something like SEO or CRO or pay-per-click at the moment, for those particular keywords in pay-per-click, we're paying $30 for, per click. When we um, work out our cost per lead uh, off cold email outreach, our, our cost per lead is around kind of 5 to $10. So we're actually able to bring leads in um, for you know, less than we'd be, well, a third of what we'd be paying for a single click uh, in pay-per-click. And, and we're actually able to generate five, six, seven leads per day using that process. And how are you doing the uh, data mining? Are you hiring people off of uh, Odesk to collect these, collect this information for you? Yeah, so okay. we, we we do. We, we hire some of Odesk. We have some in house as well, okay. um, but we have a very very specific process that they that, that they go through to actually really mine it very carefully. So they they've got to check who is data, but after they go through the who is data, then they also need to verify that data against LinkedIn and then against another source like Google and, and multiple sources really um, to make sure that it's not an agency's details on the who is that actually is an owner, that it's still the owner. We might even check ASIC records sometimes and, and, and then we'll go and do, they've got to go and do further research on the company to just learn a little bit more about the company before we reach out. And then every email that goes out is tailored to that specific business. Oh, I see. So these aren't just um, like blanketed mass emails that you're sending out. You're actually taking the time to customize each one specifically for that uh, website. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It doesn't work without doing that. Oh, I see. So, so how are you going through, and how many emails are you sending out here? And does it take a long time to customize each one? Uh, look, it, it does take a little bit of time, um, but because we've got people that are specialised in that area and that have been trained, and it, it took really so a number of years of, of trial and error, stopping and starting, um, but then really uh, eighteen months of hardcore research, testing, A-B testing, like multiple times A-B testing to, to really f- figure out what worked. Um, and, but once, you know, once we got it all working, it really, it really worked amazingly. And, and, and having done further research beyond this, I've actually discovered that there are companies out there that, that do what we do and the service as a service to big companies like, like even Xerox use this strategy I've discovered. It's one of the Xerox's main lead generation strategies and so do a number of other companies. And, and the service, if you buy it from a company that's like a marketing company, it costs like that. One company I spoke to, which was really the only one I actually spoke to, I did a lot of other research. So $17,000 a month was the minimum commitment to do like what this the way we do it. So through just kind of sheer uh, effort and, and trial and error and testing and 
um, and tracking, we really were able to develop a process that, that is actually extremely expensive and used in the, the, the top end of town. So it was, it's, it's been just, it's just amazing for us to be able to generate leads at a, co- at a, at a cost of $5 per lead. And, and our conversion on those leads is, is around, hovers around kind of 12 to 15%. So it's not that high. Um, you know, it's, it's 12 to 15% is a pretty low conversion on leads, but when we're paying $5 for each lead, uh, it's pretty good. It's very good. I see. And then these are people that um, you're contacting for your advertising agency that's Authority Factory, correct? Yeah, so we've got Authority Factory and, and Smart ROI. So Smart ROI is, is SEO, pay-per-click, CRO uh, agency, like your standard traditional digital marketing agency, full, full service. Uh, authority Factory is, a, is, a, is an authority consultancy where we help people get their messages right and get their podcast set up and do book launches and, and get their content marketing strategy right and and everything so that when they start to use agency services like SEO and pay-per-click and, and things like this, that they're actually driving all that traffic into a funnel that's going to have a very, you know, have a much higher impact. Yeah, I've noticed um, lately I've been doing a lot of uh, just kind of email outreach to, I guess, cold um, I've been using uh, a CRM uh, software called Streak, which is a free tool for Gmail, and it's actually been working really well. I've been able to book about uh, 20 or 30 podcasts just by emailing people uh, cold and uh, promote my book that way. And I think email is an awesome uh, underutilized tool to uh, create lead generation, wouldn't you say? Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, it really, really is, and 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 so, and another big thing there is that the the spam laws are not understood properly. So a lot of people will think that uh, that that strategy is actually like spamming, and and the react like spamming needs to be in mass. Um, so you need to be actually bulk sending out email. It, there's a, it's a bit gray because the other aspect of spam is that spam, you know, just has to be reported as spam to be spam. But the thing is when you're actually taking the time to, to learn about a, a particular person, if you're outreaching for either, you know, maybe a guest post or you're outreaching for a, a podcast guest or you're outreaching to discuss something that you think you can have of, that's going to be of huge benefit to a business owner, if you've really customized it and you've taken some time and and you you know there's some care behind it and there's some genuine intent of of assistance and help then it's really it's it's just it's not going to be reported as spam and and really essentially because it's one to one it's not really classified as spam under the the act but if it was reported it, it still could be so that's where you've just got to be you really got to customize it yeah, it's interesting stuff. So what's your call to action when you uh, reach out to these people? Are, are you, you mentioned getting them into your funnel. And, um, you know, just I've been doing a lot of marketing tests lately. I've been trying out a bunch of different mediums. Um, whenever I try to sell someone cold, you know, when I don't have a relationship with them already, it, it tends to fall very flat. Um, selling through social media in particular tends to fall very flat, like Facebook. Um, but when I, when I get them into my list, once they're in my funnel, uh, it seems to work much better. My conversions and my sales go up a lot. Uh, what's how do you get them into your funnel once you you cold email them? What's the next step? Yeah, so so where our funnel is 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 done on the phone. So where we we're taking people from email to a phone based consultation, and it's a it's a fairly long consultation. So they go from replying to the email to to want to discuss onto an initial discovery call, which is a fairly short kind of twenty minute discovery call, just to see if there's if there's a fit and if it does make sense and if they are really liking what they're hearing, but but also that we're liking what we're hearing because we're, we're quite selective with who we work with as well. We, we typically want to work with people that have been through a couple of generations of, of digital marketing and, and they know when they've got someone on the line that really gets it and that is, is a true expert that's not just you know another person trying to sell SEO because it's recurring revenue and because it sounded like the latest buzz that they can make some good money off. Uh, they you know they they want to work with with real experts and if we get that feeling that, that we're speaking to people that uh, you know really see the value of digital and understand how important it is and know how when it's done right how how massive the growth can be for a business then that's a, a good indicator f- for us as well that, that they they're going to be a good client but um more than that though we really we want there to be a fit on both sides so it's, it's just a it's a 20 minute chat initially to learn more about the business but to also 
reach out and explain what we've discovered. And in many cases, the initial discoveries are around not having the right things in the right part, like eye path, because you know how the eye path works. When people come to a site, it moves across the, to the right and then goes down diagonal to the left and then moves across to the right again. And just, I mean, it's just amazing how many businesses don't have their phone number on their site or it's not big enough or even really they, they should be using, you know, click to call and they're just not aware of the technologies that are available now. They don't have a clear value proposition on their site. You know, they're not passing the three-second rule where, or the six-second rule that's become the kind of three-second rule where they really need to communicate within three seconds or less, what am I, what, what am I going to get from being here? Um, and then, of course, down at the bottom of the page, what very few people do is add, you know, in the footer kind of the next steps, here's what to do next now that you've been through my page. And just those few little things that I just went through them alone can increase someone's response from their site by 30 to, to a few hundred percent um so we're looking for those things we're looking for in not really even certain or kind of certain markets more and more but um and if if they really relate to that and they understand it and and they want to look further into that and and then as well are open to once that's done increasing their traffic spend then then we move to a a more in-depth discovery call so we'll move to the, the next call where it's about an hour and that's where we're really learning everything about the business like what are their objectives for the, for the next 12 months, what, what's their current lead flow, what's the gap from where they want to be, why do they want that many leads, why do they want that much extra revenue, what products are they looking to grow within their line, um, what are some other objectives for the business in terms of going the business, bringing team members on, things like this. Um, what are the main, what traffic have they tried? What have they done? What have they not done? Are they tracking for conversions? Are they using analytics? It's just, it's a very big discovery call. And then after that second discovery call, we go away and we put a, a plan together that will show them how we're going to grow their traffic, what other things we're going to do to boost conversions, um, and then we jump on a call again to, to run through that plan. And, and at that point, we're looking for a soft um, commitment to, to, to move forward or, or even a hard commitment, but we're willing to, to talk a little bit longer and, and, and really get to a point where, where everybody's very comfortable and then we move ahead. So it's usually from, from email about two calls, a lot of research, another call, proposal, move forward or not. Okay, so let me ask you, are the problems from your prospects, Are they uh, do they have common, they share common problems, and um, are these problems that you're going in and fixing during the initial audits, um, are they technical, like related to their website, or are they more basic? Like, well, what are, how are you persuading them? Are you, are you fixing up their site, or are you promising that um, you're going to help them get more customers in the door? I mean, what motivates them more? Uh, they're, they're definitely motivated by, by customers, like that's okay. really what motivates them, but, but because the the, the market has become a little bit more educated now, a lot of the market anyway, they also want to un, like really get the feeling that you are technically inapt as well. So where, where usability, where, where, you know, where user experience auditing, where technical SEO auditing, so, you know, title tags, meta descriptions, duplicate content, broken links, W3C code, so, so technical stuff in that sense. Where you know user experience ordering auditing in terms of breadcrumbs, navigation, uh, value proposition, but it's like user experience with conversion auditing. Um, but then we're also talking traffic. So, what are the best keywords? What are the search volumes in that? What is the long tail? You know, what's the what would the, what would it cost to buy that? What would it cost to pay for that traffic with pay per click versus getting there organically in you know eight months? The, what's the weighted benefit of going organic or paid or is there enough budget to do both? And interestingly, the, the, one of the biggest things that we encounter most often, and it's been like this for some time, myself having, having been in the digital agency for, you know, going on 11 years now, I was with the Experian Hitwise for, for a number of years who I think are now the largest agency in the world. They, they manage a few billion dollars across the, the world in digital funds. Um, and then Bruce Clay I had a pretty good grounding in good digital uh, and what really worked and, and what is good and what grows companies. 
Um, but then I went into some smaller agencies and I started to deal with smaller clients and I got to realize what a mess it was on the, in, in the smaller end of town and, and how bad some providers are. So one of the most common problems is people having just been through crappy experiences, just through agencies that, you know, don't keep contact. They report but on rankings and that's it and, and all they get is a ranking report but they never get a phone call from the, their, their agency after they've come on board and they just kind of disappear and, and they were, was told they were going to get rankings in, you know, six months and in, in time, 18 months, they're still on, you know, page three and and even then they sometimes give them another crack or, or, or they've done pay-per-click but the people they did it with didn't understand quality score so they had terrible quality scores and were paying too much and it just just you know so many people have had bad experiences and, and that can be a little bit difficult to overcome i see yeah i think that's probably the biggest complaint that um these small businesses have with companies like this is um one, lack of results, but also lack of communication with the company after the deal has been signed. And that's huge. Yeah, it just seems like such an easy thing to fix. I mean, that's uh, you can implement you know, com- communication systems so that they, they don't feel any anxiety so that they'll enjoy doing business with you. And um, you know, that, in many cases, that matters more than the actual product or service that you are delivering. T- totally, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah so many, so many of the even the, the businesses that that you know might not be able to get results. If we looked at it from a pure perspective of, of them making money, if they would just contact the the client once a month, that the client would stay with them and you know potentially for years and be happy even if they weren't getting a result because they'd stay purely off the relationship. That sounds terrible, but but yeah, I mean, you hit on a point that's it's very very true. Most of the time, a lot of the time, they they just want to know that you still care about them. Yeah, exactly, and I think that applies to any type of business, not just uh, you know we both have uh, started digital marketing businesses, but any type of business, like even uh, if you put your condo on Airbnb, for example, you know, I was talking to my friend. Uh, if you can over deliver through the service, I mean, that's going to pay off big time in the in the long run. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You've got to do both. You've got to have a great client experience in terms of customer service and relationship management. But I mean, that doesn't really go that far in terms of growing in a, like you know an, an excellent business or, or a, you know spectacular business without having the other side, which is a product that delivers incredible results. And um, you know, digital could just be so amazing if it, if it's rolled out right, where you roll out you have paid traffic initially with a reasonably well conversion optimized design that that is going to deliver sales straight away, you know, fairly quickly, you know, within the first few weeks, and those sales can can cover the cost of the organic stuff that takes longer to kick in, like the SEO and the, the link building and the content marketing um, and the podcasting, for that matter, if, if they're going down that that route as well. So so that until they get to you know month eight, and really with SEO month eight, you're only just starting to get sales. Like the mo- the real momentum from from content based SEO, and even really good like authority ba- network based backlink SEO, where you're getting the big head keywords combined with the content, still only starts to kick in at like month eight. It takes you know eighteen months to really. This is from a completely clean skin business that hasn't done SEO to to really get the effects. Takes eighteen months, but great SEO in the right markets can grow. Can see a business getting you know ten, anywhere from ten thousand to a hundred thousand unique visitors in in eighteen months, and that can absolutely transform a business. Like a, a business in, in in Australia, as one example that. I worked with uh, while I was with Bruce Clay was Red Balloon, and and they they sell experiences. They sell things like NASCAR um, driving a NASCAR and hot air ballooning and picnicking and going out on racing motorbikes and scuba diving and all kinds of things like this, as well as like gift baskets and all this stuff. And and when they came to Bruce Clay, like they were. I don't think they were even doing seven figures. Maybe they were. Maybe they were doing low seven figures. But with a, a combination of ma- mainly organic was the, the biggest source of the initial, the final growth. But the pay-per-click helped them towards that to cover the costs of the 
the organic because Bruce Clay's got you know minimum twenty five thousand dollar a month commitment on, on SEO. But within eighteen months, that business had grown, and there was other things. It wasn't only the or the SEO and the pay per click that did this, but the business went from like very low seven figures, if not only high six figures, to um, like fifteen million dollars in revenue, and, and that really shows you when when digital's done right, that's the kind of impact that it can have. But the, um, and of course, there's got to be a good CEO and a good management team and everything like that. You can't just be digital. The, the business people have got to know what they're doing as well. But when it's done right, you know, and and there is a good business team behind it, like that, that's what digital can do at, at its highest level. Yeah, I've noticed that some of the uh, digital nomads or the uh, entrepreneurs, uh, online entrepreneurs who are doing the best, um, they're getting a killing of traffic in SEO, and many of them have their own uh, link and blog networks uh, to power up their rankings. Mm. Uh, do, do you do any of that type of stuff? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we, we build... Um we build uh, authority. I call them authority networks, but that's okay. what they are. The, the, I guess the only difference why I call them that with I sometimes call them all buffer site networks. With ours is that um, we don't have ours. Well, we have a small portion of them looking like blogs, so we're very, very careful with ours. So ours are a mix of HTML sites, WordPress sites, Joomla sites, and Drupal sites, and um, 75% of our sites actually look like real trading businesses. So they actually they look like real websites that belong to business as opposed to just blogs um, and we have them hosted like all over the world so we, we maintain hosting in in, uh, in Norway in uh, in Singapore in in Australia in all like in central USA northern northern North USA West USA eastern USA um, and yeah, just a, a few other parts of the world as well so that they're spread right across A classes, B classes and C classes. We don't use SEO hosting. Um, okay. We only use premium hosting uh, for that. Like, so, just, so just for the, the disclaimer, if they're not sure what you're talking about with these classes, um, you're basically you're not putting, leaving any footprints so that these sites cannot be traced under the same ownership uh, and, and that way you get penalized uh, from SEO from SEO perspective, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Like you yeah. could, you could get penalized. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly. Is so, the, so how could how could someone get started? Um, you know, building one of these networks because I've I've seen quite a few articles on, about them. I think Viper Chill has a great resource uh, on that. Uh, but if someone does, you know, had wanted to to boost up the rankings within a certain niche, um, you know, how, how did you get started doing this? Um, I had been doing it for a long time, um, so. I guess with actually building them myself and not building them within agencies, uh, I got started when I used to do um, guru product launch piggybacking. So when we used used to piggyback on like the mass control launch and the uh, product launch formula launches and the altitude launch that Evan Pagan did and, and, and then all of the launches that were like two $3,000 products for, for a couple of years there. Uh, that was the, the way I made a living. So we, I, I would use PBNs to, to rank um, review sites for those products, and it was quite easy to, very easy to get those sites ranked in the top three uh, on Google and sell, you know, get add a bonus in and, and get sales and you know get thousand to fifteen hundred dollar commissions on those products. Um, but how did I get started? Look. Uh, the good, uh, even before that, I'd already worked with Bruce Clay and I'd already worked with Hitwise. I already had a good uh, background, uh, technical background and SEO background. Um, but just reading, just did a lot of reading, just did my research and just really figured it out. Um, but for people that want to get started now, I mean, it, it is hard, uh, quite difficult now, um, mainly because with the purchasing of the actual domains that you've got to build the sites on. So some, I guess a few things for, for the listener, to, that if, if someone does really want to do this and wants to get into it, there are a few critical things that you need to do. When you're buying these domains, you need to really thoroughly check them. So just, I guess, to even backstep a little bit, the first thing that you need to do to do this is, is to buy domains that already have authority. Now, what does authority mean? Authority means that there are other websites linking to that website already 
um, and the and the sites that are linking in also have some authority, but but they but then you need to check them very thoroughly. So you need to use tools like um, Majestic SEO or um, Ahrefs to actually go and check those links, and you need to like spot check as many of the links as you can to make sure they haven't that, that these domains haven't been hit by black hatters or don't have links from what's called the SAFE network, which is a, this network of Russian links, like Russian hack links and stuff. You just need to see that there's a, a nice clean backlink profile you want to buy them with a like trust flow of above 15 uh, ideally above 20 where you can and, and ideally again you want to buy them on theme so closely related to the the site either primarily related which means they're exactly matched which could be so for example mechanic to mechanic a mechanic site linking to a mechanic site or secondary theme a car racing site linking to a mechanic site or a mechanic site, or, or even a car audio site for that matter or really secondary theme a music site with a page put somewhere inside the site about car audio and or listening to music in your car for example um so so that, that that's what's really important with, with buying the domains they've got to have good links They've got to have a high trust flow, which is a majestic measure that kind of takes the place of page rank and a good domain authority, like kind of, you know, again, like minimum 10, but ideally kind of 20 to 30. And, and, uh, uh, you, and Jeff, yeah. where, where do you prefer to buy your domains? Do you go on like internet marketing forums like uh, Warrior Forum or, or Wicked Fire and do you use like Flippa or what's, where's your preferred marketplace? Yeah, so now I use tools like Register Compass and Fresh Drop and Domain Expired. So, so okay. these are t- tools that um, allow you to to look at the domains that are expiring or the domains that are ex- for sale, and and also you can search by metrics. So you can search by trust flow, you can search by citation flow, you can search by page rank as well, but which doesn't really matter anymore. And you can look for them in mass, and you use those criteria to kind of filter for the domains that are good but but that's where it started to get a little bit harder because there is more people doing it now and the domains are getting more expensive and you know domains that used to maybe pay 30 40 dollars for can be you know if you're not careful if, especially if you buy them in auction and you think you really want it and you think it's really great you can pay too much for it you might end up paying 300 or 400 dollars for it and you just you've really got to try and to make it work you've got to try and buy them as cheap as you can um, and you've got to do the hosting properly as well so there's no footprint um, but but one of the other things you can do is, yeah, this is a little bit harder again and much more time intensive. But you can use tools like Scrapebox, and with some like with the right settings on Scrapebox, you can actually scrape the internet for um, for domains that are expiring that have got good good uh, you know good trust metrics and good authority metrics, and and yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but again, if you if you can train like VAs to do it or something like that, then you can find a lot more domains for a lot better money and and get them that way. That's 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 ideal too if you can do that. But you know, may, maybe start with something like um, Register Compass or, or Fresh Drop, and and then you know do some reading and go from there. Okay, and we'll put links to all these resources that you mentioned in the show notes as well. Sure. Yeah, so I look at this as like an investment, you know, and SEO and, you know, buying these domains and getting these backlinks. It's an accruing investment. It's something that you own over time. And I know a lot of the entrepreneurs who are, you know, really making a lot of money online uh, have, have built kind of this moat uh, around their, their money-making sites uh, so that they can keep making money, I think. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah it's yeah. You, you're exactly right it really is an investment and and whether you're a business investing in having it done for you or or you really an, an internet marker that's got the time to set this up for yourself and you're looking to you know set up a lot of sites that you make two hundred dollars three hundred dollars per day per site from which is is very doable it, if you've been struggling away at that for a while and you're not getting there this piece that we're talking about now may well be the missing piece like the the last links that really work is these kinds of links, and the, really they, the amazing thing is that from my experience that they, they work even better than like guest posting, because you can control it and you can control the anchor text and you can make sure your branded anchor is a little bit higher than your exact match anchor, but you can still get those right anchor texts with the exact match keywords, keep them around kind of one to three percent, and and have the rest as your brand, and or, you know you can diversify that out with your with press release to make sure your brand is higher and just use your PBNs to your exact match. But um, it really is the, the piece that gets you ranked for big keywords quite quickly. And if you combine this with, with some, a little bit of outreach as well and some press releases and, 
and, and then even some some content marketing too. Um, it really is that that's that's SEO. That's what works. That's what's going to work for a long, long time. I think. Um, be careful of the people that say link building is 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 dead or, or it doesn't work anymore. It, it's not. It's still ninety nine percent links that get results. It's just about doing links right. <laughs> now, do you um, should you be really focusing on your keywords before you uh, start building links or? Can you just like you know build your domain authority and then just uh, target different pieces of content, certain you know niches and different keywords as you go? You, you kind of can because because now like you can really do a lot of your linking just with with branded links and and some um, people that were really stuck on the old way of doing SEO of everything being exact match backlinks. Re- really, if you, if you kind of know on site uh, SEO and how how that works, which is Kind of easier than offsite, but kind of harder in another way to do it really, really well. If you go want to go deep technically, but you can do you can build your authority up with with branded links, and then um, if you do your on page optimization well, your on page can take care of what actually what actual keywords you end up ranked for. Um, and then, of course, if you've got uh, a PBN like a PBN a small PBN network or a big one. Then it's easy to go back into your PBN and just tweak tweak anchor text and kind of see what happens. Um, and often, you know, all you'll have to do is go back into two of your PBNs or three of them and put an exact match anchor text if you've still got eight, you know, eighty ninety percent of your, your your total anchor text across your brand and naked URL. Naked URL means a link that's just your URL for the listener. Um, then. Yeah, you, you you rank, and it sound probably sounds like it's too easy, and uh, really getting all this set up is hard. It does take some work. There's no question about it, and it takes some money investment, and takes some figuring out to get everything all all your domains private, and to get them actually buy the domains, and to understand how they get moved from buying to pointed at a, a host where there's where the PBN site is and everything, but. You've set up a few sites. It's not that hard, um, and so so yeah, that was a, a quite a long answer. To you can start without knowing your keywords and, and just start building authority and, and link link with your brand. But really, I think you, you should have some goals in mind. Ideally, you should have a. I, I always try, want to start with with what my objectives are. So I always yeah, I always start with my my key, first of all. I start with my niche, my my market, which in my case these days is often a client, and I want to know about that market. <laughs> Well, well, here's here's the thing, Josh. Is sometimes you know the the goals change as you run the business. You know, sometimes you identify uh, opportunities as the business evolves. You know, as you get feedback from your marketing tests or feedback from your customers, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so to bring it all back, you know, to where we started when we were talking about you know digital media, you look as this as like SEO as the accruing asset that, you know, boosts up all of your online content efforts, whether it's podcast, blogging, uh, book publishing, uh, and just building authority as a, as a consultant as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, just want to just, yeah, two, two ninja things, uh, or one real ninja tip. Can I give you one real ninja tip? Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. So, so we, one, one thing that is working quite well now with PBNs, which can save you some money too, is Google don't seem to have any uh, sense for re-theming a site. So if you can get it, if you find a great domain, that's a good deal that was like, and you've got a site, say for example, you're trying to rank, you, you know, let's say you're doing CPA on teeth whitening or something like that. Um, or you're selling a, a Clickbank course on um, you know how to play the saxophone I, I don't know um, but you find uh, for the teeth whitening site you find a, a, some a website that was even retheming foreign language seems to seems to still work now you don't want to have all of your PBNs like this but you can actually buy a domain for the teeth whitening that was say about I don't know giraffe watching. And you can turn that, return that site into you totally retheme it into like a site that looks like a dentist site, and Google will just totally pass as, as if it's now a completely themed website. So that's you don't want to have your whole PBNs like that because that might not be the case forever. But right now, that's definitely a way to get the costs down on your PBNs. All they are really mainly looking at is are the links that are coming in from trusted sources. So is there a high trust flow? And you know that's the biggest thing. And is there a good domain authority? And 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 that's really that, that that's the main thing. Um, 
And I just want to add one other thing, which is not about PBNs, but just an insight around SEO and and all this stuff that's going on with social media and and everybody getting so caught up in social media and everything at the moment. And from my experience, and I don't proclaim to know everything about this, but I've done quite a bit of research and just want to debunk a lot of the time that's being spent in social media. Now, I'm not talking about paid traffic here. I'm just talking about growing audiences in, in social media and stuff like that. Other than a place to be to communicate with your customers and communicate with prospects or have communities, if you're just posting and stuff like this, 90% of the big digital properties online still, and you can check this with SimilarWeb, I recommend you, you, that's another tool to write down is SimilarWeb, which will give you the whole demographic profile and traffic profile of where all the traffic's coming from, from, from big sites. And if you go and look at any of the sites that are like top 10,000 websites, mainly, you know, that are commercial sites, in most cases, 90% of their traffic will be a mix of organic and um, paid search. Okay. So using those two in tandem uh, obviously benefits each other, right? Well, well, what I'm getting at is that social media is like usually like 1%. Like it's just, it's just <laughs> not as important as people think. Yeah, I, I've been realizing lately that social media traffic um, in particular is actually quite useless um, for any of the metrics that actually matter. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting tired of paying Facebook so that I can reach my own fans each time I post. And they've invented, uh, you know, their own metric with this whole likes, uh, you know, which if you judge the success of a campaign by the number of likes, you know, you're not going to be able to support yourself for very long. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, totally. Because those don't really count for anything in, at the end of the day. Especially not now, right? Like yeah. at all, unless you want to pay for them. And and if you get if you got to pay to reach them, why don't you just you just do paid traffic? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's basically what it's become. Um, and even you know, I'm in a bunch of Twitter uh, tribes, and you know, I, I get very very few clicks from from Twitter as well. Even when I, I hit you know, big networks of people. It's the same thing. Everyone's pushing content on there as well. It's just uh, so noisy, isn't it? And it's such a big, um, such a big use of time for 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 little return. Yeah, exactly. Can tell I'm a big fan of social media, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm getting the same results, you know, for my own tests, and um, you know, social media is good for, I guess, social proof, if that's you know what you're really after. But at the end of the day, you, you got to get conversions, you got to get sales. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, or if you want to send, like, uh, if you've got a paid community like a, a mastermind and, and that's part of what they get and you're communicating with your mastermind that have paid to be in there to to have the other members or, or to have that access to you, that's great. But in terms of a, a strategy to, to build traffic from, it works in some markets, but in most cases, if you don't have your organic, like your SEO, fully you know, pumped up and you're not maximizing paid search like, like Google AdWords, Yahoo paid traffic, Bing paid traffic, Facebook paid traffic, then you know, I, I would do it as a down-the-road thing personally. Awesome. So, Josh, I want to switch gears here a little bit uh, before we jump off. Uh, and I want to – actually, this second part of the interview, I'm going to move it to the front of the interview uh, because I want to get, get into your background a little bit because we, we kind of just jumped right into the uh, marketing stuff. <laughs> um, we have you know, really similar backgrounds. We've studied a lot of the same marketers and uh, Internet marketers. I want, to, I want you to tell me the story about, uh, about Josh. You've been doing uh, digital marketing for over a decade now. Uh, what was the, your path to taking this, choosing this lifestyle for yourself and also becoming the host of the Tropical Entrepreneur podcast? I think it was it was the same as uh, a lot of people, Danny. It was definitely freedom. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't really, I wanted to live a life that, didn't mean being, uh, you know, chained to a desk and and being told when I could have a break, when I could have a holiday, when I could have lunch, things like that. I, I realise now that that was, well, I wasn't as correct as I thought I was at the time. I, I I think now that there is, there can be once you've got the skills, a lot of value in 
working with other people or, or, you know, growing businesses and, and spending a lot of time at the office and, you know, building businesses to sell them and things like that is, is now a passion of mine. And Josh, like, do you, do you, can I ask you, do you feel like that's what your life was like when you were in Australia um, before you became an entrepreneur? Because uh, you're, you're from Australia, correct? Which part of Australia? Yeah, S- Sydney. Yeah. yeah, and I know that um, Australia in particular tends to be very uh, blue-collar. A lot of the jobs are blue-collar jobs, and uh, I think they like it that way. You know, the minimum wage is really high. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they do. I, I definitely didn't really want to go down that road. I, I did try a few um, of those kinds of roles, but I, I got into uh, – I, got, I, I, I left school in year 10, and I went straight into a role selling advertising on the phone. Um, so I was selling, I was selling advertising over the phone when I was 16. Um, so kind of straight into white collar and, and then from there actually went a little bit back, but it was kind of back in, in my, in a family business where, and I was still in sales and management of the business, which was cement rendering. Um, and you, and you believe that, uh, having that grounding in sales, is that the most important quality for an entrepreneur to have is, uh, sales ability? I think so. I think it's, yeah, I think it's primary number one. I think there's there's one skill that gives you the ultimate capability to control your destiny. It's sales, for sure. Because not only not only for being able to say sell on the phone or sell in person or or anything like that, but that um, that skill translates into being able to put a video sales letter together, being able to put a webinar together, being able to. Uh, eventually, I think, and this is something I'm going to be spending a lot of time next year getting better at. I've done quite a bit of speaking, but never to sell from the stage. Um, I think if you can, I mean, if you look at, so I really, if I look back in the whole thing with authority, I've spent really two decades studying um, authorities and and, and authority marketing. I I realized a, a little while ago that that's really what I'd been doing, starting with people like Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and Tom Hopkins and um, Napoleon Hill and you know all all these kinds of people, even Anthony Robbins to some extent, but but even people before him like Earl Nightingale and and, and really all of those people, the, one of their what I I figured out um, some time ago now, but really very clearly um, a little bit later in life was that their greatest ability is being able to sell one to many from stage. And that's where their, their biggest influence comes from. And, and if you look at a lot of them, a lot of them spent some time in door-to-door sales. Even Frank Kern. Frank Kern, sometimes you might catch him talking about the fact that he actually, right before he had his rapid success, he'd spent two years knocking on doors selling um, point-of-sale credit card processing machines. Um, and he talks about door-to-door and Dan Kennedy talks about door-to-door salesman being the most important skill for an entrepreneur. And Yeah, it's, it's also one of the most uh, unpleasant skills too. It's the one that a lot of entrepreneurs would rather avoid, I think. Until you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Until... and, and it's, and it's, I, I think a lot of people, you know, many people feel that there's almost something wrong with it. Yeah, that's it's just it's just a, and I think it's cause sales is a little bit like public speaking. I think it's right up there with with um with biggest fears. I, I, and I, it's not really spoken about, but the really the reality is most people go to water when they start selling for the first few times. They're just petrified to talk to someone about a service or about a product or or, or let let alone ask them for their credit card. You know, would you prefer to put that on Visa or Mastercard? Um, you know, they just can't say that. <laughs> so scared of it. And, and really, the, the the secret, I think, to and where I started to really accelerate with my sales uh, ability was when I got to uh, realize that sales is not about getting this. Well, it is about getting a sale. Of course, it's about getting sale. But you've got to come from a place of intention that's about service. Is it about you or is it about the customer? And is it about improving and enhancing the customer's life and providing a service that's that, that's going to make their world better or their business better or their health better or their um, experience of life better? When you come from that place, sales becomes much easier. And, and, and uh, the other big mistake is that people make is that they think selling is telling. 
selling is 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 asking you've got to sit and not ask for the sale it's asking questions and learning about the particular situation and then deciding if there's a fit and just taking all that pressure off you know it's asking and, and you also i want to add you also hit in a, a closing question in there where you asked uh, would you like to take care of that with uh, Visa or MasterCard. I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> alternative choice clothes. Yeah, the alternative choice clothes. You know, and it's also, I've learned that it's more effective than saying, um, rather than saying, you know, how would you like to pay for this? Like, how would you like to take care of this? Or should we take care of this now? Uh, should we settle the balance now rather than how would you like to pay for this? Just, yeah, just totally. Little, little subtle things that can uh, make a huge difference. A little bit more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't have contracts, we have paperwork. You know, <laughs> we don't sign things, we get an autograph. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it, you got to be so the words you choose can make such a difference in that critical moment when you have to close that contract. Mm-hmm. And and you got to really I think uh, wipe a lot of the old sales vocabulary out like words like follow up. I'm just calling to follow up or yeah, that especially if it's early in the process that those words I think now they they only get said in sales. There's no other uh, <laughs> industry that anyone calls you and says I'm calling to follow up. Um and yeah, yeah just and at the same things. time you got to be careful too. You know, sometimes I say, you know, I'm just checking in. I want to check in. Um but even that, you know, sounds bad, you know, because it's, it's like a fine balance. Like if you're too friendly with someone, then they, it, it sets up their defense, you know, like why is he being so friendly to me? He must want something. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I talk <laughs> about exactly that with uh, my guys quite a bit and sometimes it's hard for them to get as well because often salespeople, newer salespeople as well, they, they think that being really, really nice is the the key and but you know you're not that nice with even with your friends or your, or your family and when you <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time you also have to qualify the lead too you don't want to be the needy one because then you give the client or the the prospect all of the power at the same time so that's why it's such a a fine balancing act i think mm, definitely so but yeah. but yeah it's really to if you to to build especially bigger businesses Sales is the because that's what brings the the cash in, right? That's what that creates the and cash flows that the blood. It's the oxygen of the business that makes all the other wheels turn. Um, if you can train people to sell, which is you've got to be able to sell to be able to train. So sales training is probably an even more um, powerful skill for an entrepreneur. Especially if you if you can train people that haven't sold before to sell, and you can help them, then that's super powerful. But if you can make good salespeople great salespeople. And um, and then train managers to manage them. Then you've got a, a business system that really is where the the things come in, like being able to create a self managing organization. And and that's where I think that the true freedom comes from. And for anyone that really is looking to build a slightly bigger business that might that has a bit of trouble with this part, I think just go and do door knocking for a year or, or even six months or even three months, as painful as it might be for you. And if you can get over that and you can get good at it, it'll just totally revolutionize your life. Awesome. So one thing I want to ask you, Josh, this is actually particularly interesting about you, is um, you were actually a protege of John Lee Dumas, the podcast host of Entrepreneur on Fire. I actually have a plan to interview him next week, and I'm pretty excited about that. But I want to ask you, what was that like? What did you learn from John uh, directly, or just from studying him? What was it like for you? Um, you know, one of the I think one of the best things that 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 with John, well, if I get there's a couple of things. One of the greatest things was the amount that I paid for it really made me super commit to sticking to it over you know the long long haul and keeping up the massive uh, commitment I made to to release a, a show five days a week while um, running at the time and then deciding to to exit and build my own full time digital agency. That was huge. Um, and yeah, so that was a, a big part. I guess that's just a testament to, to you know paying high big dollars for coaching and mentoring. But but I mean, there was heaps, man. Like just so so many things. Um, does, does John kind of uh, run on a different uh, higher gear than everyone else <laughs> in terms of uh, what he demands of himself and of his students? I think. Uh, I, I mean, 
Interesting thing about him with his students is he's kind of a little bit about it really tries to tap into what you think is best for you and, and that's what he thinks is best for you, which sometimes I would have liked a little bit to have been maybe directed a bit more um, with a bit more, uh, you know, focus in a sense. But but I kind of understand why he did that now because he knows he's got to draw out, he needs to draw out from the, the student, from the mentee, what's in them, and that's what will create the highest commitment, I think. Um, but in terms of does he personally run on a higher gear, my, mate, absolutely. Like he is just, he's just always bouncing off walls, um, he's always like he's just always booked, and I actually asked him about that, and I think, and he agrees that a lot of that came from his time in the military, like learning to batch things and having to keep to a pretty strict regiment, and always having you know being on the clock and being timed with um, with uh, part war, not war parties, or something. <laughs> I can't remember what he called them, but they, the certain act exercises that are military exercises that they had to do each day and, and things like that. Um, but there, I mean, in terms of the big, so, big lessons. So would you say that the biggest factor, I've heard him talk about this. He says, uh, discipline is very important. And, um, I guess he's just able to conquer that internal resistance of that most entrepreneurs face. Would you say? Yeah. He calls that, that, that was a big thing that he spoke about within in the mentoring was beware of the, um, imposter and, <laughs> The imposter is the, the the voice in your head that tells you it's not going to work or that you can't do it or it's the the, the slightly scared version of you and um, yeah that comes up for all of us sometimes and reading more that's what the book The Art of War is all about. Um, so how do we tame that imposter? Do we um, do we go to the gym and lift weights and get really buff so that we can beat him down in a submission or do we like meditate or what's the most powerful way to do it? You tame- how, how do you do it, Josh? You tame it by being aware of it. <laughs> You've got to shine a light on it and understand it. And when when you understand that that, you, that the imposter is is a um, is not your highest self, it's not your highest purpose. So when the imposter is speaking, it's not speaking from your highest purpose. Your highest purpose is in the um, the visions of of maybe not the, the the visions that excite you. So when the when a vision of something that you want to do for yourself that is a bigger, brighter, bolder picture of your life and of you and what life can be, that is like that's a message from your higher self. Like it's it's almost like a sense in a sense your your higher self delivering a vision to you through like providence in, in a way, and therefore that is more than likely the pathway to that even if it doesn't end up exactly that, but the pathway that's set there to help you move towards that is good for you, as hard as it, as it may feel. And when you then, you know, wake up the next day and, and, and a voice of fear sets in or the voice of I can't do this sets, you, sets in, you just, have to be, you just have to really just be aware and say to yourself, okay, that's the imposter, that's the side of me that is is a little scared or it might it's even perhaps my inner child or it's the part of me that hasn't done this before and I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to thank it because it's a system that's built in to protect you but I'm going to ask for my higher self to show up and I'm going to ask you know what's my higher purpose here what's the best actions I can take and you know just take a step each day to start moving towards the vision and kind of just silence the highest the imposter like that tie everything that you do each day to that higher sense of purpose i think so um and I, i'm not going to say that i you know constantly reminding myself to do that but I, I have gotten good at recognizing those thoughts that come in of being okay you, you know it's just what happens it's just part of being on a, a path to do something that's quite big and is requires a bit of risk and etc and and just acknowledging it and then just continuing forward well thank you so much josh for your time we're, we're getting a bit late uh a little bit long in this interview i want to shift gears you're the author of the soon to be released book authority marketing is that correct yeah authority marketing well i'm anxiously looking forward to that and i hope you send me a copy can uh, can we also do a giveaway for listeners of this show do you have any um advanced copy or audiobook anything they can check out 
Uh, I've got an even more uh, awesome giveaway um, than that that I think I can, I'm happy to give to, to the listeners. Oh, fantastic, yeah. So as I was talking about uh, earlier in the show, um, a few years ago where I used to make my living, or was that a bit more than a few years ago now? It was 2000 and, uh, 2008, 2009, where I made my living promoting uh, piggybacking on Guru product launches, so $2,000 product launches. Um, I actually built that into a, um, it's about a, I think a 40 video training program. Uh, I think it's 30 to 40 hours of video, five manuals, um, look over the shoulder videos. It was, and it was, and a piece of a software that helps with putting together the, um, the review uh, pages for the blog. So, uh, and, and this, the, the product was originally sold with the, the upsells and the videos and everything for $697. And I've revamped it and I've put some extra work into it and made sure everything that's up to date needs to be up to date to be in line with kind of current um, with most of what's in there. So, and I've, you know, beta tested that it still works with a number of my students as well. So I'm, ha- I'm actually open and, to give away that entire product. Um, to the listeners. Oh, that's really generous of you. Thank you so much, Josh. And um, yeah, I also highly recommend that anyone listening to this check out your blog and your podcast at tropicalentrepreneur.com. And uh, you have a bunch of good stuff on there, kind of talking about everything we talked about, everything we discussed in this call, whether it comes to uh, marketing funnels or content marketing, building authority podcasting, a whole bunch of different things. I'm just looking at your website right now and uh, looking forward to, to dig in a little bit more. Yeah, awesome, Danny, totally. And I guess it just a couple of other things for, from John Dumas quickly that, that he taught me I think were are super valuable. One thing would yeah, definitely sure. be would be batching. So uh, really uh, when you've got something like podcasting to do, if you can record five episodes in a day, do that, and then the next day edit them all, get the show notes up. So that's done in two days you've got your whole week's episodes and and then move on um you can do the same sort of thing with seo you can batch so do as many ppns in in one day as you can and then you know the next day do client calls for example um that that was a huge thing then the other thing that he taught me that was really valuable was about with things like keeping up with in in forums and social networks and stuff like that to um kind of get your brand out there or to build relationships kind of one by one was that consistency is key. And, and he's, this was a big part of how he grew his business was just committing to literally only 20 minutes every day. Cause he said, what, what most people do is they do it in um, like binges. They'll do two hours here and there. And what is most effective with, with relationship building is just doing it a little bit every single day. And that's when people start to see you all the time. You're always in front of them and they're always getting to see you. Um, and, and then when you do con your actual other like content, if you, you've got to promote that content, so you've got to actually send some paid traffic to it so that you get a lot more exposure and, and you build your, your list faster. And I think everybody should know by now is that everything needs to lead back to funneling people onto uh, an email list. So that was some of the biggest things from, from John. Yes. It's all about the list. And it's all about all the awesome information you've shared in this podcast. I want to thank you again, <laughs> Josh. Uh, there's a whole bunch of takeaways, and uh, I took a bunch of notes, and um, hope listener did as well. Yeah, awesome, Danny. Thanks for having me, man. It was, it was awesome. Really appreciate it. It was a bunch of fun being on the show, and it's yeah. great what you're doing. Yeah, it's cool, man. Thanks for having me. Have a nice evening, and uh, we'll have to get together for a drink one of these days when I, when I get back to Bangkok. Yeah, totally. Going, going over to help those uh, Cambodians get some, some more nice, clean water to drink. You're a good man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks, Josh. Well, have a good night. Take care. You too, Danny. Bye. Bye-bye.